Well, it's good to be here, back in the Lord's house, and we even have a few of the Lord's people here today. Uh, for those of you watching from home, we have begun experimenting just a little bit uh, with our uh, post, uh, well, not post-pandemic, but our mid-pandemic <laughs> means of worship, and uh, so we're, we're beginning to move in that direction just a little bit, and we're testing some things out today. So it looks like there's about seven people here, well spread out <laughs> and all masked up except for me right now, but uh, it just feels good to, to be with others, uh, even at a distance, and to know that we, we share our, our concerns, our hearts, our love for the Lord, and uh, the opportunity to worship Him together today. So wherever you are, at home or uh, those few who are with me today. May uh, the Lord speak to us by his spirit. May he encourage us with his truth. And may we be encouraged and, and blessed by um, what God would say to us today from his word. <clears throat> so we've been working through, as you know, we've been working through the book of Ephesians and we are uh, toward the end of the book in chapter six where uh, that famous passage about the armor of the Lord, the spiritual armor, the, the heavenly armor, you might say, the whole armor of God. And uh, we're working through this, this uh, piece uh, bit by bit, piece by piece, and uh, we've come today to verse 15, and we're looking specifically at this uh, piece of armor, the shoes, the shoes that uh, we are to wear. So let's pick up our reading this morning at verse 10, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, and by this means, we stand firm. We stand tall against this present darkness. Lord, we, we are grateful for the encouragement of this text, this portion of your word. We ask now that you would come among us uh, wherever we are and whenever we are listening to this or participating here together. May you speak by your Holy Spirit May you meet us in our places, and may you uh, show us truth, uh, encourage us by it, and uh, help us to become formed 
by your spirit in the patterns and ways that you would have us be in this contrary world for the sake of your gospel and kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know if you follow baseball, uh, but I love the game. I, I, I love baseball. I grew up playing it. I've played it in various forms most of my life. I've coached baseball. Uh, going back uh, with, with uh, my son and his friends when they were young, and then later on in some adult softball leagues and things like that. I, I love the game. And, and you might not know this, but this week, the World Series is going on, the highest level of, of competition in the sport. And I'm particularly excited about it this year because my favorite team, the Los Angeles Dodgers, are in good shape. They, like They won last night. The series, I'm recording this Saturday morning, so it's two to one in games for the Dodgers. So this, look, this is looking promising. We might win the World Series for the first time in over 30 years. And I'm kind of excited about that because I love the game and I love the team and, and it's fun. Uh, you know, they say about baseball, though, that, that it's all about offense, you know, like hits and runs and home runs and things like that. And, and, and there's, it's true that I mean, there's nothing like a home run for excitement and all of that. But this year, uh, baseball's been a little bit different. If you've been watching it, you'll know this. I mean, COVID for sure. You know, it's made for a shorter season. It's meant that there's hardly any fans in the stands, which is strange. Cardboard cutouts in the in the seats. Uh, all kinds of like, like players sometimes even wearing masks on the field. Uh, just rather strange. But the thing that I'm really struck by in the World Series this year is it's not all about offense. It, it's about defense this year. There's, there's just some amazing defensive plays. Last night, Karen and I were watching, and, and I'll have to give credit to the other team. Uh, there's a first baseman named Jimon Choi, a Korean fellow, big guy, a little overweight, it looks like, but man, the guy can move and stretch and do things with, like, with his body that you wouldn't have thought possible to, uh, to, to create great defense. Uh, Cody Bellinger, a couple days ago, stretching out above the deepest part of the, the field, two feet above the, the wall in order to catch what would have been a home run and save the game. So exciting. Mookie Betts running from the deepest part of the field forward. He's just a little guy. He's running as fast as he can, and he stretches out and catches the ball just as it's about to touch the earth and pulls it up in the air and starts dancing and jumping. And very exciting. Justin Turner stretching out. He's an older guy at third base, stretching out to reach the runner out almost parallel to the ground like Superman or something, touching the runner out, then turning around and firing the ball back to third place base to get the double play. I mean, maybe it means nothing to you. <laughs> to me, it's exciting to see good defense. It's baseball. It's exciting. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's baseball. You know, um, when I was coaching the kids, we used to talk about ready positions. You know, I mean, yeah, hitting well is good, like home runs great, but, but playing good defense, being in a ready position. And what we meant by that was, you know, you get down like this, you, you kind of stick your rear end out a bit, you lean forward a bit, you've got your arms free and ready for action, you're standing on the balls of your feet, you can go in any direction. We'd have to teach the kids this because some of them, especially some of the younger ones, you know, they had trouble with us. I remember one, our neighbor kid, a little guy named Matthew, you know, out in left field, and he's chasing butterflies and doing helicopters, and, you know, and meanwhile the ball's coming out to him, and it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. We tried to teach them to be ready 
for action, to be ready for whatever the opposition was going to bring at you, the ball that could come in any direction, at any time, at any speed, in any way. You need to be in that ready position because there's another team out there, right? Baseball is battle. It's, it's dealing with opposition. There's another team that's trying to beat you. <laughs> you know, they're trying to score more runs. Than you. They're trying to finish you off. They're trying to beat you. And uh, you have to be able to defend yourself. They say that defense wins championships. And it's a bit counterintuitive because you don't win anything without scoring runs and making points and all that kind of thing. But, but truthfully, it's, if you really want to win in any kind of sport, actually, you've got to be able to play defense. You've got to be able to negate the opposition and deal with what's coming at you which is a good principle when it comes to sports, but it's a good principle when it comes to life, especially spiritual life. We need, to, we need to learn the ready position. I think that's what this text is calling us to, that we might stand ready by the gospel because this world's gonna throw a lot at us. This world wants to beat us. And I know uh, it, it's not popular to say that. A lot of people believe that, that, hey, you know, this world is relatively neutral. You know, and, and, you know if you go out and, you know, be a nice person and, and do a good job in life and, and just, you know, kind of take care of your own business, you're going to be fine. No, no worries. But in fact, this world choked with thorns and thistles, you know, going back to Genesis chapter 3, uh, th- this world is arrayed in such a way that it, it's coming for you. It's coming after you. We read that earlier in this, the passage that uh, we're looking at here in Ephesians chapter 6. We have to arm ourselves. We have to adopt the ready position so that we can stand because the devil, and Scripture doesn't always name the evil one, but, but here it's straight up. The devil is scheming against us making plans against us. We're not wrestling just against, you know, the normal things, flesh and blood. We are wrestling against rulers, against authorities. And we're talking about uh, spiritual authorities. We're talking about human authorities. We're talking about systems that create injustice. You know, that's something we're hearing a lot about these days. And, and systemic injustice, racial injustice, that sort of thing. And, and a lot of people want to discount that and say that it's not a thing. Uh, even Christian people often want to say, well, no, nah, it's not. We, we just, uh, you know, if, if everybody has the same kind of opportunity. If we just do our job and, you know, take care of life, it, everything will be fine. But no, there's stuff going on in the systems and structures of the world that oppose us and cause problems for us. Uh, people of every race and kind, it's... Um, it's a problem. We've got cosmic powers over this present darkness arrayed against us. There's a battle going on. Spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, we have to defend ourselves. Like We have to take up the armor. We have to adopt the ready position by the gospel that we can stand firm in times of opposition. We have to put our shoes on. We have to put our shoes on, the shoes uh, that make us ready to stand by the gospel of peace. We need to stand ready by the gospel with our shoes on. Uh, you know, as a parent, 
I remember lots of times, sometimes even as a husband, <laughs> we'll be getting ready to leave the house for something. You know, we're going someplace. And, you know, I might be ready ahead of the rest of the family, and I'll be like, like are we ready to go? Can we go now? Are we ready? And somebody will say, yeah, almost, just got to put my shoes on. Well, fair enough, you know, because you don't go out the door without your shoes. At least if you do, you're not going to get very far. You, you got to put your shoes on. You got to be shod. You got to be ready to engage the world and all of its challenges. So we got to put our shoes on. In this case, we're talking about the shoes that describe, um, the shoes that make us ready, the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So these are gospel shoes that allow us to be at peace in a world that opposes us. Now, I got all kinds of shoes in my closets. I, I, I hate to count them up. There's a lot of them. And every pair of shoes I have have a different purpose. You know, like I, like I have shoes uh, that I would wear if I was going to play baseball. I, I have shoes, well, they're sort of shoes. We call them skates, you know, if I want to, you know, play hockey. There are shoes for running, shoes for lying around on the beach, shoes for going into the water, shoes for uh, dressing up and going out for dinner, shoes for, I, I mean, I got running shoes, boot shoes like these, I've got dress shoes, I've got all kinds of shoes, and they all have a different purpose. These shoes that we're talking about here are gospel shoes that prepare us and protect us. In, in, um, in the scripture, throughout the New Testament, we're called to be ready for all kinds of issues and purposes and situations. And there's quite a list, just a few of them, uh, where we're to be ready to stand against temptation. First uh, Peter 5, verse 18. We're to be ready to serve, Ephesians 4, 11. We're to be ready to give an answer, First uh, Peter three fifteen. We're to be ready for the Lord's return. First John two twenty eight. All, all kinds of readiness described throughout the Scripture. In this case, in this passage, we're to be ready to stand against opposition, ready to go to battle. Uh, the Roman kind of footwear. I understand that there are. And, you know, we're kind of doing this with all of these different aspects of the armor, kind of like comparing it with the kind of armor that would have been familiar to the people who first uh, read this, this text. Uh, there were three kinds of shoes that were pretty common in those days. There was the cathornos, which, uh, or something like that. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing these things correctly, but, but uh, th that was referring to the kind of shoes that uh, you might wear for uh, a fancier occasion. And uh, they were often worn by women in, in, in that time. The uh, calcius were shoes that were worn commonly by the common people, uh, often by the poor people, and uh, they were sort of common shoes. The caliga, if I'm saying that right, were the kind of shoes that the Roman soldiers wore. And that's the kind of shoes that, that we're talking about here today. And they had a firm sole. They had a, a leather boot um, cut low, and then the rest was uh, kind of open lacing. And you may have seen that kind of thing in Sunday school pictures or in uh, movies or, or, or that sort of thing. But these were, were shoes that were designed for action. They, they provided a firm foundation. 
They protected the soldiers against, uh, you know, the rocks and issues that might be on the ground. Uh, they, they provided support and, and uh, readiness so you could move in any kind of direction. Well, that's the kind of shoes we're looking for here. Shoes that, that protect us and shoes that prepare us. The protection comes from the gospel itself. The act of Jesus in, in uh, making his sacrifice that we might be forgiven and know the peace of God forever. See, when we talk about evil systems, when we talk about a world that conspires against us, we have to appreciate and understand that we're part of that. Like, we're complicit in many ways. We contribute to that sort of thing. Whenever we act according to our pride in, in, in opposition to the humility that God would call us to, whenever we treat people with disrespect or without love, whenever we um, attack, whenever we serve our selfish interests, whenever we disobey God, we act in, com in um, we, we are complicit with this world and its evilness. We need forgive, to be forgiven. This is called sin. I was talking to a, a theologian this week from a very, very different tradition than mine. And, and he said, you know, the problem with our denomination, the reason our church isn't growing, he said, is because we don't have an adequate uh, language of sin. And I thought that's really true, right? Like, you, you, we need to understand how we contribute to the problem in the world in order to appreciate the opportunity that the gospel offers us and the peace that's provided. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We're all part of the problem, all of us, in various ways, sometimes in big ways, sometimes in, in ways that seem to us to be quite small, but we've all fallen short of God's expectation sometimes actively and deliberately and sometimes less intentionally, but nonetheless, we all stand in need of God's grace. And the beautiful thing is God's grace has been made available to us in Jesus. And he's, he's died for us. He took upon himself, made the sacrifice that offered us peace. And it's a beautiful thing. There was, in the game last night, the Dodger game, the World Series game last night, there was uh, a, a really significant part of the, the play when uh, one of the Dodger players performed what is known as a sacrifice bunt. And if you know the game, you know what I'm talking about. If not, what that means is instead of uh, standing at plate and taking a full swing at the ball, just kind of squares around and holds the, ball, the bat in order to just touch the ball a little bit so that it would just kind of roll out into the field. And, and what, what's going to happen then is the, the pitcher or the catcher, whoever gets the ball, is only going to have one option. They're going to have to throw to first base and, and throw that player out. But they do that in order to move another runner, in this case the runner is at third base, uh, home to score. So what the player is doing is giving himself up for another player to score. He's, he's, he's putting himself in a position of being made out in order that somebody else can score. 
It's called a sacrifice, and it's a beautiful thing. Austin Barnes, the Dodger catcher, played this to perfection. He was thrown out. The player came from third and scored. After the game, the uh, reporters asked him about the play, and he made a really interesting comment. He said, he said, this, is, this play is known as a sacrifice, he said, for a couple of reasons. He said, it's a sacrifice because I am giving myself up for someone else. But he said, it's also a sacrifice in the sense that you're giving the ball over to the other team, offering it almost as if you were placing it upon, like a lamb upon an altar. <laughs> Whoa, that was, that was kind of poetic for a baseball player, <laughs> almost, almost theological, <laughs> but... Uh, but really true, you know, from the perspective of the gospel. This is what Jesus has done for us. And because of that sacrifice, we are protected. We are at peace. We've been forgiven. We are justified before the Father. We have freedom that we could have never otherwise had. And that makes us ready to engage a, a contrary world. Because we've been forgiven... Now we are in the ready position. We're able to move in any direction, to respond to any threat, to deal with any issue that might be thrown at us by the opposition. We're in the ready position. And, and, and what that means is that we are at peace. Peace with God. And so now we can offer that peace to, to others. <laughs> Stand ready, he says, verse 15 uh, stand firm, and as shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So here's the thing. We don't have to play offense in this world. Like, we don't have to attack people. You know? Like, we don't have to go and beat them over the head with our baseball bats, with our gospel bats, with our, you know, with our doctrine, with our truth. We can just simply love them and, and offer them the peace that Jesus brings they see the peace in our lives. They ask us, what's that, what, what's that all about? And we can tell them because we are ready with the truth of the gospel. I, I, in a reading the, these, this language about shoes and feet and so on, uh, it reminds me of, of one of my favorite passages in Romans chapter 10 where it talks about how people need to hear the gospel and how beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. How beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. And I've always found that curious because, you know, if I was writing it, I might have said, how beautiful is the tongue? <laughs> you know, how beautiful are the lips? How beautiful is the throat? And the thing about that is, like, I'm pretty good with my lips, you know, with my throat, with my tongue. I can talk, right? Like, it's pretty easy to talk a good game. But the text says, how beautiful are the feet? which means I have to be ready. I have to engage my whole body. I have to be, uh, you know, you use your feet, you're going to make an impression. You never use your feet by accident, right? You always, feet are always used with intention. Like, like, like it's, it's a more holistic, integrated approach that may, is made possible because of the manner and way that Jesus used his feet. This text in Romans 10 uh, it reflects back to uh, a passage, it's actually a quote from a passage in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. Isaiah 52, verse 7. And, and you talk about systemic or institutional injustice. You in, in Isaiah, the, the situation was God's people were uh, captive. 
Um, they had been oppressed by the people from Assyria to the north. They had had to deal with the Egyptian people. Now they're dealing with the Babylonian captivity. And, and they're, they're captive. But they're hopeful. They have this promise that one day someone is going to come down off that mountain and they're going to bring with them the good news of the gospel. And they are going to run down that mountain with beautiful feet. And I think about that, it's an obvious reference to Jesus himself. And uh, I think about how they were going to take Jesus and stretch him out across that cross and, and put nails through his beautiful feet. But by that means, we, you and I, have the opportunity to be at peace. Lord, thank you. Amen, Lord. Lord, thank you for being willing to to sacrifice yourself that we might be at peace. Lord, protect us by the truth of the gospel. Lord, Lord we, we, we're, we're grateful that you, you represent us before the Father that we might be at peace. And Lord, make us willing to offer that peace that love to all those who would want to know. This Monday, I uh, celebrated a, a significant birthday. And uh, that put us in mind, me in mind, of some of my previous birthdays. And I, Karen and I were talking, I shared with her the story about my 12th birthday. And, uh, you know, 12 years old is an interesting age. You're starting to feel a little more grown up. You're starting to engage the world a little more uh, robustly and with a little more fear and concern. And, I, I, you know, that was around the time when myself, my friends, all of us in school began to be a whole lot more conscious about what we wore and how we appeared, you know, before other people. We started the first time, I think, that I ever became conscious of brands, you know, like, like not just what I was wearing, but the brand on the thing that I was wearing. And um, I'm not even sure how much of a thing this was for anybody prior to the early 70s. But, but I remember at that point when Adidas first came to North America. And, um, you know, these Adidas running shoes were so cool. The, the, you know, if you remember those days, the, the, uh, the white leather uppers, the, the suede toe cap, and those three iconic blue stripes. And they were so cool. I mean, I remember uh, Steve Cloutier had a pair. Steve Cloutier was the coolest guy in school. He had this beautiful blonde hair that just, I, I, um, and he wore his Adidas, and oh, it was just the coolest thing ever. And it was my birthday. So I started asking my parents, begging my parents for a pair of these shoes. Problem is, I didn't really know what to call them. Like, I wasn't even really sure of, like, this Adidas thing, what that was. I just knew these shoes were cool. And for some reason in my head, I knew, that, like, these are athletic shoes. And, and I got in my head to call them cleats, you know, like, like, like you would wear in baseball or something. And, and so I was begging my parents for cleats. And 
they were confused because <laughs> they didn't know what, and um, they didn't really understand the styles and fashions and what was going on, and so it was just all very confusing. On my birthday, I got a pair of knockoff Adidas running shoes. <laughs> I don't know if that was because of their confusion, possibly, or maybe just because we couldn't afford <laughs> the, the expensive brand name shoes. That was probably true as well. I tried to make the best of it. I smiled. I thanked them. I could see the love in their hearts as they presented these shoes to me for my birthday. I wore them to school. These, these shoes, you know, they, they were, I'm not sure what they were made of. It wasn't leather. <laughs> it was some kind of synthetic material. Same colors, sort of. The blue was almost the right shade of blue. Uh, there were two stripes instead of three. And I wore them out at lunch hour, and I showed them to Steve Cloutier. And he tried to be kind. Uh, you know, a few weeks later, they all fell apart while I was playing soccer, and so much for the shoes. You know, you get what you pay for, I guess. Sometimes the, the stuff you get is counterfeit. And uh, there's an application there with respect to the gospel, for sure. But you know what wasn't counterfeit about that event was my parents' love. <laughs> and uh, they, they, they intended to bless me. And I received that as blessing. And I still do to this day. See, it's the love that counts, right? It's, it's, it's the, the essence of the gospel. That's the thing that makes us ready. It's the love of God that makes us ready. The peace of God made possible by his sacrificial act, this quintessential act of love. That's what makes us ready. That's what puts us in the ready position and allows us to defend against the, the most dramatic and horrible forms of opposition. We can stand up against anything, anything, if we know that God has loved us and forgiven us. Do you believe that? Like there isn't anything this world can throw at you with its structures and systems, its principalities and powers, this present darkness, the evil schemes, nothing. Nothing can defeat you if you have been formed by the love of God, the peace made possible in the gospel. And so I just call on you. Here today, watching from home, have you received that love? Have you taken hold of that gospel peace? Do you know that peace that passes understanding? The peace that doesn't make sense given the circumstances. The peace the angels announced when Jesus first came. Remember, the prophets called Jesus the Prince of Peace. Uh, when, when the angels celebrated Jesus' birth, they, they said that this was heralding peace on earth goodwill to man. Do you know that peace? You can have it right now. Just reach out, just take it. Just <laughs> he's, the, the Lord has served it up on a platter. He's, he's laid it out for you. Just receive it and trust in it. And then having received that, feel free to offer it to others. As they ask you, you know, where, like, what's going on? Like, you seem to be okay. Like, where did you get that peace? You can tell them. 
and you can offer them that love. You know, God doesn't need us to go out there and in attack mode and to be offensive. There's enough of that in this world. <laughs> We've been freed. We can offer that freedom. We've been loved. We can offer that love. We've been given peace. We can share that peace with others. May it be so. And we stand ready, stand firm for the readiness of the gospel of peace. Make those the shoes you wear as you live your life for Christ in a world that is throwing everything against you. Let's pray together. Father, some days we go along and it just, everything just feels normal and good and okay, and other days we just feel crushed by the weight of the world, by the opposition, the schemes of the evil one, the, the powers and authorities that seem to line everything up against us, the things seen, the things unseen, the things intended, the things not intended that, that trip us and hurt us and oppose us and fight against us. It's a battle, Lord, whether we see it, whether we observe it, whether we're... Um, Numb to it, Lord, we are in a battle. And uh, we are so grateful that we know the outcome. That in Christ, we have been forgiven. We've been offered grace. We're grateful for this good news, this gospel truth. Lord, it brings peace to our hearts, and we're so grateful for that peace. We know that because we've been loved by you, that we have nothing to fear in the world. And so, Lord, allow us to stand on that truth, ready, in ready position to handle whatever it is that the world might throw our way. Keep our heart at peace and let us offer that peace to others. Lord, there might be some among us today watching on the video who, who are ready now to receive that peace, ready now to receive that forgiveness. We ask you for it. Just give it to us, Lord. We are grateful. We're grateful. And then, Lord, teach us what it means to live in that peace and to offer it to others. Lord, may we be attractive, not because of our offense, but because of our defense, because of our preparedness, because of the way that you have protected us and given us peace. May that be observable and powerful and beautiful as we approach the, the end of the game, the return of, of your son and the final victory for which we are anticipating. 